0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I'm really excited for this morning. Are you well? Let's just get the elephant out the room. The springboks lost. Some of you are devastated. I had a very awkward moment yesterday very awkward. We uh, invited some guys from church, and then invited some guys who aren't from church, but who are mates of ours. We made mates through kids, I thought. And he said, well, who's coming? I said, some guys from church. You know, that's, so he's also a bit nervous already. So we start watching the rugby, and everyone's finding each other's feet, like understanding who's going on in the room. And then the box started losing. Ref started making some decisions. And one of my brothers from church you know, some of you come to church like, oh, with the pastor, please not be awkward when you bring your mates, like not non-awkward Sunday. It's the same thing, just different when I invite my mates to my house for rugby, and then I've got one of my brothers, something happens, and one of our own players mess up, and he stands up and starts shouting at the TV, crucify him, crucify him. I'm like, <laughs> it's not helpful, and the whole room went quiet for a while. No one really said anything. And uh, about two minutes later, I just, I just was looking at the TV. I didn't look at anyone specifically. I said, well, that was awkward. <laughs> and uh, so just be aware. Pastors have friends too. And they don't all come to church. And uh, it's all part of it. But it was a rough day. And uh, we got to process beyond the crucifixion moments. And uh, <laughs> all part of it. Last week, we kicked off a series How do you build a nation? How to build a nation? And we looked at this man, Elijah. If I'm being brutally honest, it's the first time in almost 18 months of preaching double services in the morning that I absolutely love and never find like I run out of energy. It's the first time in all those things that after the first service, I was like, I can go home now. Because I realize that we're not playing games here now. I realize that when we're speaking into our nation, there are passions, there's fears. It's all very real. It's not someone else's life. and someone else's story. It's very much our own. It's very real. And when you tell a story like Elijah, this man who should have high God confidence for seeing a victory over the 400 prophets of Baal, and if you haven't listened to it, I don't often say it, but please go and listen to it, but then the very next day gets one message from Jezebel. And one message from Jesse spins him out so much, he runs into the wilderness, finds himself in a cave and hides in a cave and says, I'd rather die. But the day before he had this massive God victory, the day before 400 prophets of Baal were put to death, the day before guys like Elijah, the man, the man, God's man, on the. you think he's like, God confidence is here. Just one message from Jesse and it all falls apart. That's how the enemy knows our spots, our little things. That's one message. Just one message from a friend, one challenge from a person in your past, one reminder of something you've broken, one Facebook post, One, one news report on News 24. And the reality is every man and every woman outside of a posture of faith can end up in a cave wanting to die. And so after the morning service, I realized we're not playing games, and it's not about fight or flight. that's, That's psychological language. The biblical language is fear or faith. My job is not to tell you where to live or how to live there. My job is just to present God's truth and challenge in the way we make decisions that when we make decisions in faith, in faith, there's a God story on the other side. And that's all I want for God's people. It's not the privilege of a pastor to tell God stories. It's every son and daughter has the privilege of telling dramatic, glorious, wondrous God stories in our life. But I'm telling you, it only happens when we position ourselves and posture ourselves in faith, in what we believe, above the circumstances, above the realities, above what we read, and above the messages from Jezebel in our lives. Maybe your Jezebel is called Rowan or News 24 or Facebook. I don't know. But I'm telling you, we all have one. And we all have those moments of possibilities where we can go from faith heroes to faith zeros. And God says, I don't want that journey for my people. So preach the word of God because there's not just fight or flight, there's something even worse, something even more subtle, something called freeze. We can't fly, so we're just gonna freeze. We're just gonna stay in the same place and not move. If I just don't move, the lion won't eat me. Oh! That didn't work out well. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's my imagination. But um, I I personally would run. But... um... (laughs) But in our souls and our spirits and in the health, when our soul starts to freeze and we get stuck and we just don't know if we can move. I'm telling you, it's not faith that's driving our story and it's not faith that will determine the miracles and the possibilities of what we sing about. It is a fear that's determining I'm anchored here. I can't move, not because it's the right thing to stay. It's just because I don't have faith to move one step. I love that God calls Joshua and says to Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 3, he calls him to this big story, everywhere your feet shall tread, I'll give. And we used to sing that song everywhere. I actually can't remember how it went, but I remember singing it some song about feet treading and that would be my land. But then three verses later in Joshua 1 verse 6, there's this, but courage to you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because to take the land that God would give to him, Joshua had to put feet on the ground. He had to put one foot in front of the other towards giants, towards challenges, towards trials. He had to put foot after foot on the ground, but God said you need strength and you need courage to put those feet on the ground because courage and faith stories look like where men and women put feet on the ground. And I presented last week a theology, a theology of place, a theology that I don't think you and I are here by mistake or actions. No, Paul writes it in Acts 17. From one man, Jesus, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. So either Paul's lying or we're getting to choose. And I'm just a result of some Dutch guy out of Netherlands or Holland or wherever who left the nation and ran to the bottom of Africa and, and I'm here. No, I honestly believe that if I, in faith, will posture myself as someone say, God's got me right here. Now I can run. And maybe you even hear out of rebellion. God can use that too if you'll turn back to him. But if you're here, God says exact times, exact places, I want to do something with you. What are you doing here? And that was the question that God asked Elijah multiple times. And I honestly think it's the question God and the enemy are asking the saints today. She's not only God asks that question, the enemy asks it too. He'll ask it more like, what are you doing here? And God will ask her, what are you doing here? God's not surprised why you're here. He just wants to know what you're doing. Where are you going to put your feet? And when you put your feet, are you going to trust for miracles? So I, I don't preach this as any rock of, of faith. or No, I preach this to myself. I'm preaching to myself, and the purpose when we preach a word is to say that God move my heart and shake my heart and understand that, that, that on the other side of the story, there's a God story and the potential of heaven. That's what I want in my life. I've seen too many miracles to go back to a What God can't do miracles. I can't say that because I've seen too many miracles. I want you to see those miracles too. Trust me, the first time, and I've had the privilege of laying hands on a, a man who'd never heard in his life, he's been deaf his whole life, started here. hear, he, I was more shocked than him. I, I, honestly, I'm like doing the whole thing, walk behind him, what am I saying? He's like, I was more shocked than him. Why? Because he came into that whole situation with faith. And God says, I want to do things with my people. I want to see miracles. I want them to see miracles. But what we need and what's often missing is the, the faith aspect because fear is this underwriting. We find nice language for it. So there's all these voices that start shouting. I want to speak to today about a man. Maybe you can take out your Bible to the book of Jonah. Or oh, now everyone's going to look, try to find where's the book of Jonah. Is he tricking me? Is it actually a book? I don't know. Have you got your Bibles? If you've got your Bibles, why don't you take to the book of Jonah? And, uh, and if it's on your phone or whatever it is, let's just, Because I also want to show you how easy it is to access the Word of God. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, the book's a big book. That's the book of Jonah right there. Four chapters. We bribe our children to read. I know that's bad parenting, but yes, I want them to read. So we literally bribe them to read. The problem is they go find books like Jonah. And then tell us that's worth it. And then the, the real negotiation starts. But the book of Jonah, if God was ever going to bribe us, would this be a good one to start? And I promise there's so much truth, so much revelation of God. And there's so much of me in there and maybe you. But there's this main man, Jonah, that I want to speak about today, about restoring the boundaries and seeing what God would do when men and women respond in faith and not fear. All I'm trying to do is help you posture yourself all I'm trying to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you where to move, not to move. I'm just telling you, will you posture yourself in faith? Because only when God's people posture themselves in faith, they saw the miracles. And I want to see the miracles. And let me be honest. When I, if I was a preacher when I was 10 years old and I preached Jonah, you know what I'd preach about? The whale. Like I think I was 10 years old, all I would talk about is this awesome whale that God trained. God can train whales. Like that would be the message. That's all you would hear about this. Like, and I'll tell you a story about the aquarium and dolphins jumping and then this whale, God train. That would be the story. Not very good. You probably wouldn't come back the next week. If I preached Jonah when I was 20, full of confidence, no kids, no real, just taking over the world, I think it would be about how much of a wimp Jonah is. As that, the 20-year-old Mark would be like, yes, Jonah, you're a wimp. Eh? Like, is God a whale wimp? Like, it's like the whale and the wimp. That might actually be a great series for Jonah, I, I don't know. Then there's when you turn 30, and all of a sudden, I'm married, got a bit of a job, a bit of a career, a bit of a thing going on. It's like, oh, maybe Jonah had a point. <laughs> like uh, Nineveh is a rough spot. There's even the king of Nineveh says there was crime and violence there. What about when I'm 40 now, three kids, living in a place of crime and violence? Maybe. <laughs> more for Barry Lord thank you. thank you but when you're 40 now three kids their futures to consider maybe you start thinking shucks maybe I want to be a Jonah maybe I, I want to run maybe it doesn't look so bad to get in a boat put my head down and sleep but that's why we got to go to the word that's why we look at these characters who God used. You understand in those days, God couldn't speak to everyone in the crowd. The spirit of God hadn't been poured out. The curtain hadn't been torn. So he would speak to prophets. He would speak to men and women. He would come directly and speak. And so Jonah was one of these guys that God spoke to. The difference for our age and the age upon which we live, we don't have the excuse, God doesn't speak to me. We don't have the excuse, God only speaks to one guy, Jonah, and he just happens to be somewhere else. No, we don't have that excuse. We have a God who speaks, but God spoke to Jonah, and Jonah responded in his own way. And we get to learn, and the reason we preach the Word of God, and we look at these characters is because gods, revealing something of himself, but he's also wanting to revealing something of ourselves to us. So when we come to the Word, the Word comes over our story. I want to tell you the first encounter of Jonah who knows anywhere else in the Bible Jonah appears? Jonah appeared somewhere else in two kings. And he appeared in two kings chapter 14. And I'll read it to you. And there's a whole bunch of chaos going on. And there's some pretty bad kings in charge. And there's some chaos in the land. And this is what it says. In the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, became king of Samaria. Don't worry. And he reigned For 41 years, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He's a bad man. He's not a good king. He's an evil king. says, he was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant, Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hepha. The Lord had seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering. There was no one to help them. And since the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Joash. Let me help you understand what just happened there. There's a bad king in town. He's in control. The Bible said God never would turn his back from Israel, actually he would never do that. So God takes a man named Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from gath and every commentator that we don't have the Bible doesn't say it's the same Jonah from the book of Jonah. It just says Jonah, son of Amittai. That's a coincidence, and the prophet. From Gath That's all the same Jonah from Jonah. So every commentator you read will say it's the same Jonah God used to speak a word of God because he was a prophet, and the duty of the prophet and those some to speak the word of God to God's people to direct. And know who listens? An evil king. And because a man of God receives a word of God and speaks the word of God, an evil king listens, and the Bible says he was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel. The boundaries of Israel then become small. They become narrow. God uses a God-man in an evil land to speak a word to an evil king. And it says, God used the evil king to restore the boundaries of Israel. What is the role of the believer when the times are evil? That. To get in the presence of God. To posture ourselves in faith. To hear the words of God and to speak them and to see the boundaries restored, Amen. taken back. When we walk into the home of a family that's broken, we don't just walk and say, God, please just allow me to get out of here safe without me getting involved. No, we're saying, God, would you use me to speak your word in your life to restore the boundaries of this marriage? And you go into the boardroom a business that's failing and you say, God, would you use me to speak your word to restore the boundaries in this business? Restore the boundaries to prosperities. Restore the boundaries to life and to godliness. Would you use the word that I would speak to restore the boundaries? It's not the privilege of a prophet. It's the privilege of every son and daughter who has access to the presence of God. And as Tyler preached weeks ago, the curtain has been torn. You and I have the privilege and the responsibility to speak the word of God that restores the boundaries even where the kings are evil. And I'm not talking about presidents now, I'm talking about us. And I love the fact that God uses this man, who later gets proven a wimp, to speak the words. But then let's jump to the book of John. You see, just one thing about boundary lines, and I preached it a while ago, and I absolutely love it. Psalm 16 Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You'll make my lot secure. Who secures your lot? God secures your lot. It says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What happened to the people of Israel? Their own brokenness, their own intermarriage, their own broken ways allowed their boundary lines to become small. And the enemy took the territory that God had given them. And God uses a God-man to speak to restore the boundary lines. It's our responsibility in these times. What are you speaking right now? What are you speaking right now? What have you spoken this week? What have I spoken this week over this nation, over my family, over my wife, over my children? Because here's what the Bible says, that our words have implications. And when our w- words are mixed with faith in the word of God, they restore boundary lines of nations. Even when evil kings might be in rule like this one. I love and I'm so encouraged that our staff meeting on Wednesday Janae shared something which was powerful, which I didn't know. That three years ago, a young lady who was in a tough relationship and as a result of it had a broken bone in her shin had come to this church. And we decided in the evening not to, work, not to preach. God was moving. We, and I, 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 didn't re, I didn't remember, but I prophesied over her something about the broken bones being restored and how God healed her. And now you see a lady get up and make the announcements, church news, and you go, well, she's always been like that. You know how encouraging it is for me to prophesy again, to speak again, to trust in God, to declare again, to hear the me of how boundary lines have been restored. But I'm telling you, it's not just my privilege. I'm going to keep telling you that because it's far too easy a posture. I did it for years at church. Go, Rory. Go, preacher man. You're the man. And the prophet comes to town. Everyone runs off. Woo, the prophet's in town. No, that was before Jesus came and God still got prophets and he still got apostles and he still got preachers and teachers and pastors, but they're not the only ones who hear anymore. They're just gifted for the movement of the family. And I'm telling you, we should get more excited when our children start prophesying because that's in the Bible too. I really got to get to my preach now because I'm getting far too excited. Jonah chapter one. Hopefully you found it. If you haven't, use Google. Um, Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Jonah's this gifted and anointed guy who's spoken, and a whole nation's boundaries were restored. But well, then God speaks an interesting word. He, he doesn't say just receive my word and give it to someone else. See, let's think about the first one. Jonah, here's the word, and the word's actually for the king. And it says that this evil king restored the boundaries of Israel. Now a word comes to a man named Jonah, who should have high God confidence like Elijah should have. And God says, Jonah, I don't just want you to speak to a king so he can restore the boundaries. Jonah, I want you. I'm going to speak a word to you. And I want you to go and restore the boundaries to a city called Nineveh. I've been in church forever, and I've seen some people prophesy some pretty big things. But it's a challenge when you receive one. And now God says, I want you to do that. And that's what happens here God comes to his man, and God speaks. He says, When God spoke a word to Jonah, please understand when God speaks, it's not a suggestion. It's not optimism or, and God's not verbal processing with you. I verbal process. My wife knows, I drive, I talk. It's weird. She's got used to it. It's taken many years. God's not doing that with you. When God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. God's not verbal processing. When he speaks to you as a husband and says, I want you to take your marriage from small boundary lines where there's oppression or, or there's no communication and there's a whole bunch of enabling of each other I want you to take the boundary lines of their marriage and extend it God's not suggesting it he's telling you to do it remember we use the name God sometimes like a fluffy cloud in the sky God is ruler of the heavens and the earth with one flick of his finger he can calm the seas with one flick of his finger he could wipe out the earth he can cause storms he can do whatever he wants when God speaks you see the word of the Lord came to Jonah that's how it starts and again, I'm going to remind us that the same man found it very easy to go to an evil king and say, the Lord says, but God comes to him and says, I want you. It's a challenge now for Jonah. It's the same for us. And there are different words of the Lord. There's the Logos word of Lord written for us, laid out for us, clear and simple. There's the Rhema word of Lord that he speaks and it's his spirit revealing within inside of us. But either way, when God speaks, he's calling his people to respond. There have been times in my life, I know God spoke. It wasn't, I can't tell you, it was an audible voice. I just can tell you, I was in the presence of God. See, what what does Jonah first do? He says he leaves the Lord. He leaves the presence of the Lord. What did David do? No, he got stuck into the presence of the Lord. What we challenged in Isaiah, he paused himself in the presence of the Lord. Jonah decides to run. Not from Tarshish, not from Nineveh, from the presence of the Lord. Here's what I promise you. If you would pause in the presence of the Lord and say, God, will you speak? You know what Romans tells us? Romans tells us that you can test and approve what the will of God is. That means there is a will of God. And that means you have access to test and approve the will of God. And prove the will of God. Says the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. And I'm going to tell you, it's not always good, perfect, and pleasing to you. My kids don't always think, no, we're not getting you that thing right now because you're only 10 years old and that's for an 18-year-old. Judah doesn't think that's good for him. But if I were to give him a car right now, there would be chaos on the roads of Tableview. And people come to me like, what kind of father are you? No, I'm a good father. Because I'm a good father, I don't give my 10-year-old the keys to the car says, will you pursue his will? Will you know? And I would ask you and I would challenge you. And maybe you've never done it before because it's scary. Because it's scary because maybe God's will isn't aligned perfectly with what my will is. I'm just telling you. So, so God says, I want you to be generous. I want you to give of your time, your energy, your gifts, your money, your everything. So what you don't do is you don't find yourself, well, I'm praying about doing it. No, the Bible says do it. So when you start praying, God's just going to re- repeat what he's calling of you. And so we just don't do it. So we find ourselves outside of the presence of God, and we're wondering why, God, where are you? No, He's always there. You've got to just get back in to hearing His voice. See, there's a drift inside of every one of us. There's a drift. That's why we've got to keep getting back into the presence of God. What does the old Toyota pay offline? Everything keeps going, right, Toyota? You should be in the band. Everything's going right. Because we all have a drift. The only thing that holds us is the Logos and the Rhema Word of God. When God speaks, it holds our line. It doesn't matter the context. It doesn't matter the storm. We hold our line. Why? Because in Jesus, there's no drift. And when I remain in Jesus, I don't drift. But when I pull myself out of Jesus, I start drifting. And one degree this year is 12 degrees next year. And it's 45 degrees. And four years later, look back, how did I get here? Well, you drifted. I want to speak, it says this, so word of the Lord came to, Nina, to Jonah and then says this, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up against me. This doesn't sound exciting. <laughs> like, wow. Chapter three, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. This is after Jonah's run. This is after he's been spat out of the whale. Well. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. But let people and animals, this is verse 8, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth, a king speaking, let everyone call it urgently, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Oh, what do we know about Nineveh? God says it's a great city. The king of Nineveh declares we have evil ways and there's violence. So can we talk about the great city of Cape Town for a minute? because i honestly believe god has spoken and he's placed myself and my family in the great city of cape town that is full of wickedness and violence and i think if you are here now unless you are here out of rebellion and running yourself god has placed you and if in faith you will respond in such a manner god will use you to see his kingdom come that's how this works what's great about our city See, Nineveh, was, it was this trading town. It was on the high routes. It had lots of diversity and culture. And you know what was great? We only found out at the end of the book. There's 120,000 people there. That's why it was great. Why is Cape Town great? This is where you answer. I know normally I ask questions you don't. This one you can answer. Someone tell me why Cape Town's great. Say that again. We can freely worship God. Freely worship God. Why else is Cape Town great? I thought you would me about running on the mountain or something. But, and... Tell me why Cape Town's great. Ocean yes, thank you. Wine. Here we go. You can keep quiet now. And uh, <laughs> anyone else, know why Cape Town's great? We're a we're a port. We have people coming. Tourism. What's that? The mountain. The mountain. Yes, the mountain. You said that so civilized. It was almost like I didn't understand you. The, uh, we we have diversity of cultures. They've come from all over. God sent. We have diversity. There's 3.7 million people here. This is a great city full of violence and wickedness. I'm not denying that. God's just saying, will you see? What do you see? Because when I look at Nineveh and when I look at Cape Town, I see a great city. What do you see? See, last week he's asking, what are you doing here? I think this week he's asking, what do you see? because you choose what you see and you see with the lenses he gives you. Don't close your eyes to the fact that there's no violence and crime. Now that's a real thing. Have wisdom in living in that age. Let me just take a moment. Have wisdom. We live in a nation, we have to plan sometimes how you're gonna travel and where you're gonna travel. People have to plan. You need to have wisdom. How you, hey, don't, and, and, and this is how wisdom works. Don't just assume because someone's hanging around the church car park that you can give them a lift home as a single female take a male home. Can I just help you? Have wisdom. Work in community. But with faith, will you see the great city of Cape Town? With faith, will you understand God is working and operating? Because if you can't see it, you're going to struggle to step into when God speaks. So the know Jonah runs and says, the seas get rougher and rougher. So they ask him, what should we do with you? See, here's the lie. The lies you're going to run, it's going to get better. The Bible says the seas are just going to get rougher and rougher. I like this. Um, chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I love that. The Lord, provision in the storm. Who sees this as provision? So the Bible says God provided. And that word provided is a word, Mau now. M A U N N. That's how you're supposed to say it. It says to assign, to reckon, to point. God appointed a whale. Oh, God, how could he do that? No, the greater miracle happens later. God gets a worm to eat a tree. You try to train a worm, but you can train a, tra- a whale. Anyone seen a worm? Have you seen a guy try to train a worm? Left. No, but I've seen dolphins jumping on people's whistles. We all go, oh, it couldn't be a whale. No, God provided a whale. He provided, he said, I love you so much, Jonah. Not the city of Nineveh. I love you so much. Jonah, I'm gonna put you in the belly of a whale. And what determines whether you come out the front of the whale or the back of the whale is your faith. (laughs) I think he could have come out the other way. I don't know. Is that just me? My imagination. I I think he could have come out either way. But in the belly of the whale, Jonah cries out. And I'm jumping through a whole book here. But I want you to go and read. I want you to go see yourself as Jonah. Go see yourself as, see, in in the belly of the whale, Jesus, he cries out. Maybe we can have the next slide, please. Verse point four. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, if you don't know the story, let me tell you what's going on here. He's bubbling aside in the belly of a whale. There's dead fish everywhere. It's smelly, it's stinky. He's in the middle of the whale. And he says, in this place, I will make a decision. Salvation comes from the Lord. He didn't know what would happen next. Whoop. Told you better than the other option. But he puts a stake in the ground. See, when the winds blow... You learn quickly. The only way to secure yourself is to put a stake in the ground. Just go to Bloberg Beach on a windy day. You don't, I mean, I love the tourists when they come. You see the umbrellas, uh, tourist. <laughs> what are you holding on to? See what Jonah did, he ran, he held onto a little boat. That I can trust in a little boat. When we hold on to things that aren't Jesus... They're gonna get exposed in the storms. See, I think God provided a storm and a whale because he's so committed to the call upon his son named Joseph's life. And he's so committed to the call upon your life. See, what we do here is we do this. In chapter four, verse five, if you have your Bible on the screen, it's the next scripture. Jonah had gone out, sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided, God provider, a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to his head and ease discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God, God provided a worm. God's doing a lot of providing here, which chewed the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die. See, God will provide a branch. He will provide a worm. He will provide a scorching east wind. Why? Because He wants to provide salvation to a city. That was His end game, His whole game. And He doesn't just work through a prophet these days. He works through the sons and daughters of God who have been pulled into the story of God by the blood of Jesus. And when we get that, we understand that we're all Jonah, sometimes wanting to run, but God will speak again and again, and sometimes He'll provide a whale, and sometimes He'll provide an east wind, and sometimes He'll provide a financial storm, and sometimes He'll provide challenges to your marriage, and sometimes your kids won't listen to you. Why? Because He has a plan for your life, and it's to see the kingdom of God come to great and violent cities. Just like ours. See what Jonah does? He goes and builds himself a fort. little shelter under a tree. That's what I did when I was a child. I built myself forts. I remember leaving home once. Packed up. One roll of toilet paper. One can of Milo. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Never see me again. Went to the garden. Went in the bushes. Built a fort. It's what children do. It's what fear brings out of sons and daughters of God. We act like children and we build ourselves a fort we think they can hold us. Then God says, I'm going to provide a scorching east wind. I'm going to show you the only fort is the comfort of the king of kings. Come to the fort. That is Jesus. At this time, we need to understand that our shelters become caves. And right now, I'm concerned for the church, not this church, yes, this church, but the church. The shelters of our financial situations, I'm fine. My house is fine. I've got my electric fencing. I've got my money in the bank. My kids are at the right school. Sometimes in fear, those are caves. They look like shelters. And when the storms blow, I promise you they won't hold. But you can do all those same things in faith. And watch what God would do to a city, a great and violent city, if we will trust him. I'm just trying to affect your posture. Do you not think the enemy could get a message to you? Like Jonah. Maybe you're running or you stowed away in a little boat. Do you feel like you've been cast overboard? What you go read in this, he gets cast overboard. Maybe God provides a whale we have the band up? Maybe God is speaking again. Sometimes God just wants to get our attention. I love that. Chapter 3 just starts like this. And God spoke a second time to Jonah. What did God say? Well, I'm going to fix everything I said to you. Why don't you go to, no, God says, this is what I got for you. You know what the number one thing I hear from people in counseling is God's not speaking. What should I do with my life? And the pastors in the room would nod with me. What's the purpose of my life? I honestly think the purpose of a life is simple. Listen to the voice of the glorious King and do that. And if you're not hearing clearly, pick up His Word, His Logos Word of God, and follow step by step. And put one foot in front of the other, whether it is toward a great and violent city, or whether it is toward some place beautiful, a promised land. even the promised land journey had rivers to cross. I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again. For David, the safest place he could be as a 16-year-old kid was on a battlefield with a Goliath in front of him. For Daniel, the safest place he could ever have been was in a pit with lions. For Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the safest place they could ever have been was in a fiery pit. Why? Because Jesus was with them. The safest place you and I could be right now is in the presence of our King, listening to His voice and just putting one foot in front of the other, being faithful and obedient. Obedience opens up the measures of heaven. Obedience leads us to an inheritance. Obedience comes, says the God of heaven can speak louder than the voices that are shouting and the Jezebels of this world. I've got Jezebels in my ear. I'm just telling you every day and so do you. And the only way we silence them is not by giving them attention. The way we silence them is by giving Him our attention. I'm trying to posture you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just trying to posture you before the God of heaven. My job is to preach the Word of God so that you can position yourself before the God of heaven and allow faith to rise where fear wants to sing its song over you so that courage arises in the midst of a storm and we realize that I'd rather be in the middle of a storm in a dinghy boat with Jesus then on the Titanic that thought it could never sink and that's what man thinks man thinks they can build in ways and measures that will never sink and statements were made about that ship and the statements are made about finances and politics of nations in this world right now and God says will you read my word will you posture yourself and will you go to a great and violent city because of this promise can you close your eyes please Psalm 91, whoever, can you say whoever, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge, can we say that the Lord is my refuge? And you make the Most High your dwelling; no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, so they will lift up your in, their, lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And Lord, like Jonah in the, in the belly of a whale, maybe for some today and others in different postures and positions, we cry out, salvation comes from God alone my salvation comes from you alone and when we ask the question by you or the enemy what are you doing here mark we have an answer and when we ask the question what do you see we have an answer and our answer is determined by our posture in the presence of the king right now let courage come to your saints god let faith arise let vision arise and let us see you again let it not be the passion of a preacher this morning i pray god the presence of the Almighty. Let us posture ourselves before the King.